Hello, and welcome to Pause Pop, Positively Pop Culture, where we talk about things we love enthusiastically and without guilt. I'm Carrie Gessner. And I'm KW Taylor. This week, we'll be discussing the TV shows Better Call Saul and Stargirl. And we've got a special guest with us to talk about action movies, including The Old Guard and Charlie's Angels. And we did promise we would talk about Taylor Swift's new album this week, but we're not going to. (laughs) Yeah, whoops. Sorry. (laughs) We are going to talk about it next week, but we wanted to take a little bit more time to listen to it properly so we could do a deep dive into it. So stay tuned for that next week. But we're also coming up on our first anniversary in just a couple of months. Can you believe it? No, I can't. (laughs) So as such, we wanted to survey you, our listeners, about what you'd like to hear more of for our second year. We'll be putting a link to a survey in our show notes for this episode. And we'll also tweet it out on our Twitter account, at Podcast. So please take our survey and let us know what you think. Yep, please do. This will really help us out. We'll make sure that we are delivering you the best, most exciting podcast possible. But first, Carrie, you wanted to tell us all about Stargirl. I'm excited. I did. I did. Yeah. So I'm pretty sure everyone knows that I'm really into superhero shows and movies and comics as well. So I started watching Stargirl a couple months ago. It is a recent addition to the DC CW canon. I actually am not quite sure if it's part of the Arrowverse. I don't technically think it is, but that's another discussion. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so I don't know a ton about Stargirl the character, so I can't really talk about if it's true to the history of the character or anything. So I went in like not really knowing what to expect, I guess, and it started this year. The first season is 13 episodes long. I think it airs on DC Universe, which is a streaming service that I don't have. And then it airs the following day on The CW, I believe. And it stars Breck Basinger as Courtney Whitmore, who becomes Stargirl. And Amy Smart is her mom, Barbara. And then the premise is that... Barbara is marrying Pat Dugan, who is played by Luke Wilson, who is, as always, charming. (laughs) I think he's one of the best parts of of the show. And Pat has a a son named Mike. I think he's probably like about 13. I'm not very good with ages. (laughs) And Courtney is 15. So Barbara and Pat get married and they move back to Blue Valley, Nebraska, which is where Barbara grew up. And we find out right at the beginning, actually, I should probably have led with this, but we <laughs> we find out that Pat Dugan, he used to be a superhero sidekick. Oh. They called him Stripesy. Oh. <laughs> and he kind of looked like Waldo. <laughs> and he was the sidekick to Starman, who is played briefly in the first episode by Joel McHale. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm so used to Joel McHale being, like, funny that it was... A little hard to believe him in the role, but he's he's not in it for very long. So, well, he was just in an episode of The Twilight Zone that we watched, and I was like, oh, I yeah. can't take this character seriously <laughs> at all. Yeah, it's kind of interesting. So he plays Starman, and basically the series opens up with Starman and the rest of the Justice Society of America, the JSA, pretty much getting slaughtered by the Injustice Society of America. And then you jump forward 10 more years and 
Pat's the only one left, and he's been put in charge of Starman's magic staff. It's called the Cosmic Staff, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> so he and, and Barbara and the kids move to Blue Valley, and in the process of moving, Courtney finds the staff as they're like putting things away in the basement. And okay, so if a cer- if Starman touched the staff, it will like light up and kind of almost become sentient and kind of like help you fly through the air and 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 it's it's kind of hard to explain. <laughs> <laughs> I I realize that now. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so the point is that Courtney picks it up and it works for her. Uh-huh. Whereas it won't work for Pat. We assume that it won't work for anyone else. So she's like, oh my god, what is this? This is cool. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's really it's it's really a coming of age story, and it's an origin story for Stargirl. She has a lot of growing up to do, which is sometimes painful when you <laughs> when you see her make decisions and you're just like, no, that's <laughs> not don't do that. <laughs> she's 15, so yeah. she's going to do that. <laughs> so she comes into this power, basically, and she starts off on her own. She, like, makes her own suit. Well, she finds Starman's old suit and tailors it to fit her. We find out she has a background in gymnastics. She really takes to the staff really well because she's kind of used to all that twirling and stuff. And she can ride on it. She can, like, use it to do that flippy thingy that gymnasts do where they spin themselves over the bar. Do you know what I'm talking about? (laughs) (laughs) I don't know the proper term for any gymnastics thing. Sorry. Sorry to anyone out there who's listening. (laughs) (laughs) So she starts like wanting to be a superhero because she finds out that there are bad people operating in Blue Valley. So there are definitely like different parts to the season. So the first part is like her coming into this power, trying to convince pat that she can do it and that he can help her and then the second part is she's trying to convince pat that the injustice society of america is back in blue valley and he doesn't really believe her at first but the more evidence they get the more she's like i need my own justice society of america so she recruits people from the high school who are not necessarily her friends (laughs) but they become friends over the course of the season. So Yvette Monreal plays Yolanda, who becomes a wildcat. And she basically gets the suit and she's got claws in it. And she can do things like climb up walls with the claws. And like if she falls, she can land on her feet. And she's basically a cat, which is cool. Then there's Angelica Washington, who plays Beth. So she becomes Dr. Midnight, too. She's got these goggles. There's an AI in the goggles, so anything she looks at, the AI can, like, tell her different things about them. So if it's a picture, the AI can tell her who is in the picture and where it was taken and all this all this stuff. So she's kind of, like, the font of knowledge for the, the new JSA. Uh-huh. And then Cameron Gellman plays Rick, who becomes the new Hour Man. And he has an hourglass that will let him become super, super strong for an hour a day. Oh, wow. Yeah. And he's got some anger issues, too. So (laughs) (laughs) So it's kind of about a bunch of social outcasts coming together and reinventing themselves and making themselves into heroes and doing good. And I just really kind of love that about it. 
And then as the season goes on, we find out more about the Injustice Society of America, who is in fact operating out of Blue Valley. And they are in fact a lot of the parents of <laughs> Courtney's oh. classmates. Oh. So it's very much got kind of a runaways vibe oh. where you sort of have parents versus kids. Yeah. Um, even though it's not it's not really any of their of the kids' parents, but it's influential adults in the community. So yeah, like I kind of just turned it on and I was like, I'm gonna check this out and see how I like it and Maybe it's because of the mindset I've been in, but I say this all the time. I'm really on the lookout for just uplifting things. And this has a very hopeful, idealistic outlook, Mm. I think. And a lot of that comes from her being 15 and she thinks she can change the world and stuff. And yeah, it's just really, it's really nice. (laughs) (laughs) Like, I just get a good feeling while watching it. Aww. And, like, sure, there are some, like, little lessons for teenage viewers. But, yeah, overall, it's just very, like, pure <laughs> is a good word for it. Yeah. And I, I have a lot of fun watching it. So, but it does, it does occasionally stray into darker territory. So it's, I wouldn't say it's for super young kids. But, yeah, it's a really, it's a solid addition to the DC TV universe, I think. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I'm excited. It got renewed for a second season already. And the season finale, I guess will be out this week. Mm. So I'll probably watch it the day this episode comes out. Yeah, I'm just excited to see where it goes. I'm interested in Stargirl's growth as a person and as a superhero. And I really like the idea of, you know, these outcast kids coming together to kind of form a family with pat as their weird exasperated dad (laughs) (laughs) well you know this sounds a lot like buffy to me too oh yeah yeah with the with the stepdad character being kind of like giles the watcher but yeah that sounds really cute i might check that out i may wait till it's got a whole season on netflix okay yeah because i I don't know. I can't remember the last time I watched live TV. It seems. <laughs> <laughs> well, the season is almost over, but I don't know. Because it, it airs first on DC Universe, I really don't know what if it's going to come to Netflix. Oh, okay. Gotcha. Yeah. Well, I'll see what I can find. But yeah, that sounds really cute. I think I would like that. Yeah. I hope you do. Cool. So you've been watching something that's very, very different yes. from this. <laughs> Very, very different. This could not be more different. Um, So I've been watching Better Call Saul, which is a show that it's still on. It was originally on AMC and I'm watching it on Netflix. And it's been out since 2015, but I just hadn't really gotten a chance to get to it yet. And we finally started it several, maybe a month ago or so. But I am like getting weirdly obsessed with it. (laughs) This is actually a prequel to Breaking Bad. Okay. Which was on a few years ago. Did you ever watch that? I did not. Okay. No, it doesn't really seem like my kind of thing. Yeah, I don't know. It's This show is very similar in some ways and different in others. So you might like this one. Okay. This one might appeal to you a little bit more. Breaking Bad, of course, was on 2008 to 2013 on AMC. And it was about a high school chemistry teacher who starts making and selling drugs. This has nothing to do with that. But it's it is a prequel in that it deals with 
the drug dealer dad from the from Breaking Bad had a had a very crooked attorney named Saul Goodman. And he was played by Bob Odenkirk, who's actually a comedian. And so the character was a little bit like funny and and kind of like this little goofy side character. But in Better Call Saul, he gets his own show. So this takes place a few years before that. It actually takes place in the early 2000s. So that's something kind of funny. It's, It's written and created and filmed now and close to now, but it takes place about 20 years ago. And yet you don't really... You don't really notice that until people are whipping out real tiny cell phones. <laughs> I think they do a very good job of making it feel current without actually technically being current. So it's focused on the person who becomes Saul Goodman is actually, his real name was Jimmy McGill. And Saul Goodman is a name he adopts later. But he's a lawyer. And over time, we learn that he is the brother of a lawyer who is very, like a traditional corporate lawyer, played by Michael McKeon, his brother Chuck. Michael McKeon is also more of a comedic actor, and so it's very interesting seeing these comedic actors in these very, a little bit more serious roles. There are a lot of laughs. It's actually got a lot of humor in it, but it is technically a crime drama. Okay. His brother is this much more respected attorney, whereas Jimmy is... Not quite an ambulance chaser yet, but he is very new to being a lawyer, and he used to be a con man. So he approaches his lawyer aesthetic and and ideology a lot differently than his brother Chuck does. Okay. He also has a friend at Chuck's law firm named Kim, played by Rhea Seahorn, and they sort of eventually develop a romantic relationship, but you can tell that they're at least very good friends. And it sort of is is a little bit clear that she's also a little bit of an outsider at the fancy law firm. And a lot of the tension comes from these two semi-outsiders trying to either establish themselves in the fancy law firm, resist the fancy law firm, decide what they want to do with their approach to the law. But a lot of it really is Jimmy's internal struggle with having been a con man, but becoming a lawyer, having his brother not respect him as a lawyer still having a little bit of a con man mentality when it comes to practicing law. So he bends some rules sometimes, but he's always trying to kind of do in the larger sense, something resembling the right thing, even if he doesn't do it fully legally. And that's kind of interesting. So there's another character named Mike Armentrout, who's played by Jonathan Banks, and he's won a couple of Emmys for this character. He was also on Breaking Bad later. And he's a former police officer who's since retired, and he's working now as a parking booth operator at a courthouse that Jimmy is a lawyer at. And we sort of follow him, too, in this parallel storyline where he becomes embroiled in the world of Albuquerque, New Mexico's drug trade, and that's how he becomes character in Breaking Bad later. Both characters are really interesting. They actually do know each other, but their relationship is very, very slow to develop as an alliance. And they're very different. Jimmy is very funny and very boisterous, and he's charming. And Mike is this completely stoic, very expressionless man who really only shows any sense of softness when he's dealing with his daughter-in-law and his granddaughter. But otherwise, he's just very, like he's a complete poker face. You don't know anything about what he's thinking at any moment. And it's, it's a very, 
amazing performance because it's so controlled and understated. Hmm. There's a few other characters, but really that's kind of the core of it. And the thing that I find really interesting about Jimmy's character is that other than kind of trying to do the right thing, but in the wrong way, he also is this illustration of the idea of the American dream that we have this mythology of the American dream, the idea of pulling yourself up by your bootstraps, claiming that you can come from nothing and and succeed and, and do everything. And Jimmy really did try to reform himself. He'd been arrested for some petty criminal activity in Chicago and decided to move to Albuquerque with his brother and got a job in the mailroom of his brother's fancy law firm. And while doing that, he put himself through law school at night and became an attorney. And yet you think, well, gosh, you completely turned your life around. You should be rewarded for that. And yet he's not. And it's this sense of frustration that certain parts of society are still really only open to the elite and that the elite truly does not actually want anybody to succeed. (laughs) That they view it as you did do all that, but that doesn't mean you're worthy of actually entering polite society because his brother is actually not as supportive of of him as he lets on. And I find that storyline weirdly semi-relatable, tragic, and frustrating. And I think that um, Vince Gilligan is the showrunner and creator and producer. And I think that he is absolutely making some really interesting statements about the stratification of American society. So I think the message of Breaking Bad was about... I think, inherently masculine angst. And I think the message of Better Call Saul is the bootstrap American dream myth is a lie. So. Okay. Both very positive and uplifting. (laughs) Well, yeah. Now, the thing that I find uplifting about this show, I mean, it is a very, it's, it's a little bit of a dark show. But something that I do think is positive is that Jimmy does not let anything get him down. He he perseveres and he really uses his intelligence, his wit, and he's clearly supposed to be the most intelligent character in the show, despite a lot of other characters being smart. But he does go to show that it is about grit and tenacity that will at least make you, even if you're not necessarily embraced by high society, you still are doing things that are important and helpful. And you also have to kind of, at the end of the day, decide decide what kind of person you want to be and what kind of clients you want to serve and who you want to help. And I think that's kind of an interesting message. I also will say that it is filmed in Albuquerque and the scenery is beautiful and every day is sunny there. <laughs> and even though that is a little bit like at odds with the subject matter of the show being a little bit darker and about crime, during this difficult time, I have to admit that almost every show I'm watching is filmed somewhere really, really sunny and beautiful. Interesting. So I think if you need some blue sky therapy, it's not the worst idea to (laughs) to consider this. Okay. Yeah. So it's it's very, very well done. Yeah. Vince Gilligan, other than Breaking Bad, he also was one of the producers of The X-Files. And The X-Files has some episodes that actually have a lot of really keen, dark humor about them. And I think that he was one of the, the writers that was pretty instrumental in in portraying that while also having it be a drama. So if you respond well to that, then I think you would like this. I might. Yeah. Give it a shot. I do want to also mention that you don't really need to have watched Breaking Bad 
to watch this show. You could actually start this one. It's like fun if you had seen Breaking Bad, but it also it's a case where you actually could watch them in order of when they take place rather than when they were on. Okay, that is good to know. Thank you. You're welcome. Where can I find it? Well, again, it's on AMC, but several of the first few seasons are all on Netflix. So, Okay, great. I will try to check it out then. Okay, cool. Now, we we recently talked with Rachel Porter, who was on a few weeks ago, but she came back to talk with us a little bit about action movies, including some that you had watched recently. Yeah, I had watched The Old Guard and the newest Charlie's Angels. Mm-hmm. And yeah, all three of us just chatted about action movies for a while. So we're going to give you that conversation and hopefully you enjoy it. Great. Well, recently... I've been watching some action movies because y'all know I love action movies. So Friday night, my housemate and I watched The Old Guard on Netflix. And last night, I watched The New Charlie's Angels. And that got me thinking about action movies and how much I like them. So The Old Guard just came out on Netflix on July 10th. And it's based on a comic book by Greg Rucka, who's a fairly well-known comic book writer. Um, I think he's done some Wonder Woman and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And it stars Charlize Theron as Andy and then Kiki Lane as Niall. And there are some other people in it who are great, but they're the main two. And it was directed by Gina Price Bythewood. I'd like to get that out there. So that's pretty cool. I'm not super familiar with her her name, but one of the things that she did direct was The Secret Life of Bees in 2008. Mm. Yeah, so The Old Guard is about a group of four immortal people, (laughs) (laughs) which sounds really silly, and it is a little silly, but that's okay. I love silliness in movies. So Charlize Theron is Andy, who is actually Andromache of Scipia, so she's been alive for a real long time. Mm. (laughs) And she has... She calls them an army, but there are only four of them. So her her buddies are Booker, who has been immortal since like the early 1800s. And then Joe and Nikki, who have been immortal since the Crusades. Basically, they don't understand why they got immortality or how it works, really. But what they do know is Andy has met a few immortals previously, and one actually died. So basically, your immortality just runs out one day, and they don't know when it's going to happen or why. So what happens is they get they get hired to do this job where they go, they go rescue a group of kidnapped children. But it's all a setup. And basically, there's this pharmaceutical company who has paid big money to get proof of these immortal people. And in the setup, they just get shot down, like right away. Like, they're all on the ground, all four of them, dead. And then 10 seconds later, like, they start to heal and the bullets pop out of their skin and stuff and they get up. So this is all captured on video and they're like, holy crap, that is not good because we don't want our secret to be out. But at the same time, there's a group of Marines in Afghanistan and Niall, who is the other main character, she gets her throat slit and she dies and then... The next scene, we see her waking up in the hospital and she doesn't have a scratch on her. She's completely healed. So she's obviously like, what the heck is going on? (laughs) (laughs) And we find out 
that the immortals have dreams of each other when the the new immortals are woken up so they can they think it's like a way of finding each other so the group of four are on this train trying to hide and they all wake up from the same dream and they're all piecing together like i saw a part of a name and it was free and i saw a helmet and i saw so they're piecing together who this new immortal is and andy goes off to get her it sounds silly when I say it out loud, but, <laughs> but yeah, it's a lot of fun. And Charlize Theron is fantastic, as always. She kicks butt, and I'm just like, this is so much fun watching her. <laughs> and Kiki Lane plays Niall, and she's really great. I thought their relationship was really interesting because, you know, Andy is thousands of years old, and she's really, she's really kind of jaded. I don't think this is too much of a spoiler, but... I'm sorry if it is. But one of the, the things that Andy is upset about is like, there are no kids to save at the beginning. And after that goes south, she's just like, we keep, you know, trying to do good. And it just seems like we, we never can. Or like, even if we do some good, the, wor- the whole world's on fire. You know, she's she's pretty jaded. And then um, Niall comes along. And that kind of new relationship allows her to see what it was like when she was younger and when she just gained immortality. And then the storyline with the pharmaceutical company, Chuatel Ejiofor plays this dude, Copley, I think is his name, who's trying to get the proof of these people's immortality for the pharmaceutical company. He's not super on board with the idea of using them but he's really interested in their history and he he's got kind of a conspiracy board in his apartment (laughs) and he's been tracking them for i think he went back 150 years and there's this really neat scene where he explains to niall that andromache saved this person in world war one and then like two generations later his grandchild was influential in developing the polio vaccine stuff like that so it's it's all about like ripples and then maybe it doesn't seem like a big act right away, but it has greater reaching effects. So I thought that was that was really cool. And it has some I love action movies that also kind of have something that give you a little bit to chew on, you know? Mm-hmm. I really loved it and it was a lot of fun. I feel like you guys would like it too. Yeah. Hopefully. So let me know. And then I watched Charlie's Angels. So this is a 2019 remake of the uh, 70s show. Yeah, let me let me chime in with some of that. Uh, Okay, great. The old lady. (laughs) The original Charlie's Angels was a crime show on ABC from 1976 to 1981. There was three main women who served as private investigators. They each had had like a different background. Like one of them had been a cop, and one of them had been like a model, and they just had different jobs. But they all got recruited to be private investigators and later that show was rebooted a couple times as the films from the early aughts charlie's angels from 2000 and then charlie's angels full throttle from 2003 there was also a 2011 charlie's angels tv show that i did not watch but that featured rachel taylor as one of the one of the angels who people may know her from jessica jones as trish so and i used to watch the original show especially in reruns a little bit after it had gone off the air. And I did see the earlier films with Drew Barrymore, Cameron Diaz, and Lucy Liu as the angels. I rewatched those in the last year or so. Mm-hmm. They are fun, actually. Yeah. Like, those are really my only experience with Charlie's Angels. I have not watched the original series. I haven't seen the latest movie. 
but I like the Drew Barrymore, Cameron Diaz, Lucy Liu ones. They're they're a good time. Yeah, they are fun. Yeah, it's been a while since I watched those, but I feel like if you liked those, you would like this new one. So it was written and directed by Elizabeth Banks, who is pretty great. Mm. I enjoy her stuff a lot. And it stars Kristen Stewart, Naomi Scott, and Ella Bolinska. And it's a little different than I expected it to be, because I think in the earlier ones, they're just like all angels to begin with. Mm-hmm. But in this one, Naomi Scott plays Elena, and she is a whistleblower for an energy company because they're developing a new form of energy, but it can be hacked. Mm. And it's called Callisto. And there are these little like D20 looking devices. (laughs) (laughs) It's kind of meant to be like an Amazon Echo or a Google Home or something. Mm -hmm. So the idea is to like get all these devices into homes. And basically they can become like an EMP for the human body is what they call it. Yeah. So she's like, yo, this is not ready to go to market. (laughs) We have crap to work out. And everyone's just like, no, no, no. We're going to be the first on the market with this. It's fine. Don't worry about it. So she gets directed to the Townsend Agency, which is a group of private detectives. And she's meeting with a Bosley, which is a rank in the organization rather than one person. So that's kind of interesting. I like that. Yeah, it is. It is really kind of neat. Basically, as she's meeting with him, there are two angels there, Kristen Stewart and Ella Bolinska, who are protecting her. And they all kind of get swept up in this plot. The company is coming after Elena because she's whistleblowing. So they have to protect her. And along the way, Elizabeth Banks becomes their Bosley. So one of the things I thought was interesting is that you do have this this new character who is not an angel so she's not like cool and kick butt right off the bat so she's kind of getting introduced to this world and ella balinska plays jane she's a little bit standoffish she's not super interested in like being friends with anyone she just kind of wants to do her job so it's interesting to see her relationship with sabina grow and sabina is played by kristen stewart one of the most delightful things about this movie is kristen stewart and i didn't really expect that but she's a really good comedic actor. Wow. Like she is she is a funny role in this. And I think she should be in more comedies. I don't know why she isn't. <laughs> <laughs> I think the thing I love best is like it was written and directed by Elizabeth Banks. And it's very women centric in a way that is positive. And there aren't like explicit sexualizing shots of, of the girls. And they're all kind of learning to to get along together and they're supporting each other. Yeah, so the agency, the Townsend agency is fairly large. And there are some scenes at the end that kind of show how many people are in this agency. And there are some famous faces pop up like Laverne Cox and RBG is mentioned. (laughs) So it's like funny things like that. But it's, it's very much focused on like, women supporting women which is really cool and i just it's a lot of fun i had a lot of fun and i'm sad that you know it didn't do super well at the box office because that means we won't get a a second one i'm gonna probably check it out i think i meant to and then it just sort of it was not in theaters long enough i will say like not super long ago i was going through youtube and looking up lana del rey music videos because as y'all know that i enjoy (laughs) lana del rey 
despite well she's she's made some missteps recently but regardless <laughs> we won't go into that she collaborated with ariana grande and miley cyrus to do the theme song of this movie called don't call me angel which i think is a very strange trio but it's not <laughs> i don't know it kind of works i don't know i'm, I'm a little I think bit it works yeah i mean did you did you listen to the whole song i did and i watched the whole video the video is pretty cool and i like that they show each each of the singers have a very distinctive different style from each other and i think that's the point of it so on the surface, it's a little bit strange, but at the same time, I think it exemplifies probably the cast of the movie and also the idea of, of these three singers who are, some of them do acting too, but not as much, but that they also exemplify that idea of angels being, you know, beautiful, strong women who are different from each other and have different styles and different approaches to their job. So yeah. Yeah, for sure. And that does get featured at the end of the movie. Mm -hmm. And there are these little little scenes like i said where they're they're showing other members of the agency so that gets played during those little scenes mm -hmm. and speaking of the music the soundtrack is is really fun cool i liked it a lot yeah who plays charlie because in the original tv show it was the voice of john forsyth who is a you know veteran actor and i think he was even the voice in the older films from the early aughts so who does it in the new movie so it's robert clotworthy and he is the narrator on the Curse of Oak Island, which is one oh! of my favorite shows. But later in the movie, you see this scene, and I think it was supposed to play into probably the sequel. There's a scene where you see the back of a woman sitting at a desk, and she is speaking, and the computer is transforming her voice into Robert oh. Clotworthy. So neat. Yeah, at the beginning, you think Charlie is a man, and then towards the end there's this little reveal but you don't know who the woman is so oh. i think that was supposed to be a thing that gets explained later but probably will not be sadly well you never know you never know we'll see yeah that's true but again very fun movie when you guys do watch it i hope that you like it cool yeah yeah i think i'll check it out i think cool. i will too for sure hooray thank you for being with us again rachel sure we didn't have a lot to contribute to <laughs> but i'm always happy to be here do you have any action movies that you want to shout out that you really like? So I keep a list of movies I watch every year because I'm a little obsessive. And <laughs> so I was looking at the list I keep and I did a full Marvel watch this year. So I watched all of those and those are very actiony, mm -hmm. obviously. But the last non-Marvel movie I watched that was an action movie was in the middle of June and was Twister. Oh, okay. <laughs> Which was very fun. It held up really pretty well. It's very silly. And I enjoyed that a lot. Cool. I think the other thing, actually, I will shout out that I think I watched earlier this year was, yeah, The Kitchen, which is a fun movie that's kind of action-y, but not in the same way. It has Tiffany Haddish in it and Melissa McCarthy and Elizabeth Moss, yes. And they are the wives of like gangster mafia folks in New York, like way back when, and all their husbands get arrested. And so the movie is about them kind of stepping into new roles and trying to keep their own life going. Oh. And they're, they, I mean, they step into like mafia boss roles, but it's women. And it was very good and very fun. Cool. And it was interesting. So you were talking, Carrie, about Kristen Stewart wanting to see her in more comedy roles. Mm -hmm. So it's interesting because in the kitchen, Tiffany Haddish is not funny at all. 
and I'm so used to her in comedy. Oh, wow. That seeing her be like dramatic action movie without any kind of particular humor was fascinating. Oh, wow. Yeah. And it was really good. Cool. That sounds really good. And I haven't even heard of it. So I'll definitely look for that. Mm -hmm. I can't remember the last action movie I watched that was not a Marvel movie, but I did enjoy one going back to Charlize Theron in the old one or old guard. Her movie Atomic Blonde from a couple of years ago is pretty great. It's extremely mm. violent. It has no moments of being lighthearted, but it is <laughs> it's very much like a female John Wick movie. So Okay. Oh, okay. Is there unfortunate things happening with dogs? No, and... no. Mostly Okay, good. Mostly it's just a little too realistic with its fight scenes, but it's set in the early eighties and so its soundtrack is very much right up my alley. There's a lot of scenes in like European nightclubs and stuff, so it's just very <laughs> like it's like a totally new wave movie. It's it's really well done. Nice. And if you watch Mad Max Fury Road, you can have yourself a little Charlie's There in action movie trifecta. Yes. True. <laughs> that was a good one. I enjoyed that action movie. I liked yeah. that a lot, too. Yeah. Awesome. Well, thanks again for being with us. Yeah, thank you. Happy to. Anytime. That was so fun. It is always a great time to have Rachel on the show. It is. Yeah. And I'm sure she'll be back. Yes. Yes. Next week, we're going to be talking about a specific genre of uh, film, television, and literature called Nordic Noir. We're also going to be talking for sure this time about Taylor Swift's folklore album. So be on the list. <laughs> for sure. For sure. We promise. We promise. <laughs> Our theme music is by Joseph McDade. You can find me on Twitter at KWTaylorWriter. And me on Twitter at Carrie Gessner. And you can find us together on Twitter at Pause Pop Podcast where this week you'll find the link to our listener survey. If you'd rather email us, you can do that at positivelypopculture at gmail.com. Thanks so much for listening. Stay healthy and safe and join us next time for another episode of Pause Pop. Bye.